This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Simon Berg was 16 years old when he decided the education system wasn't for him. But it wasn't because he didn't want to learn. In fact, all Simon cared about was learning about his passions. So Simon took a job as a coffee boy, and before he knew it, he was a multi-time CEO. Today, Simon is the CEO of Seros, and he joined Marketing Trends to discuss why it's okay to take a less conventional path as long as you're passionate about the path that you chose. Plus, he does a deep dive into why content marketing is the worst phrase in the marketing industry. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we have special guest, Simon, what's going on? Not a lot, man. I'm up in Connecticut and it's thundering and storming outside. So um, other than that, I'm just living the new normal. (laughs) Indeed. Well, we're super excited to have you on the show. We're going to talk about content a bunch today, uh, what you're doing at Seros and, and why you built the company and uh, and your background. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing in the first place? Fell into it. I um, grew up in London, England. You probably picked that up from the accent, but um, I, I grew up in London, England. Um, incredibly, I'm not very good academically. I'm terrible academically, in fact. Um, um, and um, didn't do the, great, the greatest in school. Ended up uh, with terrible grades, Fs and Ds and Gs and Es in every grade, every every subject you could think of, except uh, an, an A in art and an A in technology, because they were both fun for me and the teachers were great fun too. Tried to get into design college as a creative, got turned down because I didn't have enough general skills. Felt angry about that and ended up taking a job in a business uh, that was working in magazine production. And that was when I was 16 years of age, just, just halfway through that year and started very, very young. The business was founded and owned by three folks, one of which was my father. So there was a strange sort of heart, sort of a third ownership from my father, who's a, a taskmaster and drives me hard. But that's how I started out in life. And being in, in and around production for magazines led to uh, an extension into brand and then ultimately into creative um, and the marketing world, uh, having spent the best part of 18 years there, going from coffee and tea boy through every discipline you could possibly imagine back in the, the 90s. And then ended up joint managing director of that business, ultimately CEO after the partners had retired and um, ran it for five years and sold it back in 2011. You know, there's, I feel like every, uh, if you haven't carried the coffee, then, you know, really, I, I don't know how you got your start in, in this world because, you know, it's it, more proof that coffee makes the world go round. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, there's, there's something about the, the way in which I learned. I'm a curious human being. I think curiosity is an incredibly powerful thing, and I'm curious. But being curious and then working your way through an industry like that just gives you really interesting abilities to empathize, to understand the industry that I'm in, the, the creative process, the production process, everything around it. Um, and it also, like I say, gives you empathy, but it gives you the ability to call bullshit as well because you've, you've done everything, including carry the coffee. So flash forward to today. Tell us a little bit about Seros for our listeners who don't know. So Seros is um, about eight or nine years old. Um, 
It's a business that's uh, in, this, in the cloud. It's a SaaS software business. So we have um, over 600 brands at this point using the platform. Um, it's been through its difficult times, of course, but we've been on a very, very steep uh, growth trajectory for the last three or four years. And the business is a platform that allows brands um, and their designers and marketers to utilize the tool to create what we think of as um, you know, digital experiences. And those digital experiences can be utilized anywhere in the sales and marketing funnel from awareness all the way through to advocacy. And by creating richer experiences on the web, you have an ability to tap into the emotional side of the human decision-making process and affect conversions, engagement, and ultimately brand affiliation over time. And um, we give the, the, the businesses the ability to do that with the platform without writing a single line of code, which means the creative-minded design and marketing folks can go from idea to digital experience in hours or days, not weeks or months. We talk a ton about digital experience on this show. It's something that um, obviously came at everyone really quickly with its complexity, with uh, the amount of uh, effort that you have to put in with like quality bars that are extremely high. And then also, you know, you have user generated content where marketers are sitting there staring at what, you know, a 13 year old kid sitting somewhere around the world can make something funnier than their whole marketing team put together. Um, you know, content creation and digital experiences are more important than ever. And there's probably more people that are that are uh, getting them wrong every day than, than getting them right. What do you think is like so critical that you see people using your platform to to create these digital experiences? Uh, well, there's a couple of things to unpack there. The first thing I think I, I, it has to be recognized that for, for the best part of six years, five years, we've been very clear about our message that experience matters and digital experiences should be treated with the same respect and care and attention as a physical experience. We always say that, that you know, that's missed by many, certainly in the marketing world and has been for years. That mantra of, uh, of you know, recognizing how important those digital experiences are and recognizing that a digital experience could be as impactful on your business, if not more impactful than a physical experience. So if you care about your lobby or your event or the events that you take your customers to or the interactions you have in a meeting with them in a physical real world environment, you should sure as, uh, as hell care about those digital experiences and digital touch points as much. So that's important to know. And it's also important to know that with the advent of COVID-19 and what that's done to the world in a matter of weeks, but now it's been months, obviously, is it's, um, it's, it's left us in a situation where for many, if not all of us, certainly for a large period of the last three months, your digital experience and your digital presence is your only presence. So what we've seen is, um, is, is more and more people coming to Seros, both for the software platform that enables them to do that, but also because we just understand it, because we've lived and breathed it, as a sort of a mission for the last five or six years. So people are coming to us saying, we're paralyzed, the world's changed, up is down, down is up, help. Do you have the tools to empower me and can you inspire and educate me on how and why and what to do? Um, and that's been great for us as, as a whole. And I think that sort of to last, answer the last part of your question, I think everybody's woken up, some were ready, some weren't, and there's some stumbling and tripping as people try to get their arms around what it means to think in a truly digital first way and become you know, a, a leader in the digital experience world. It, it, it comes with its challenges, but we're good at helping, which is, you know, it's great. It's been good, you know, relatively good to be able to give back and help folks um, through the challenging times. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, um, we always talk about how, you know, 
product side of the digital experience and the marketing side of the digital experience have blended so much so you look at, you know, I, I, everybody always uses the Airbnb example as like, you know, well, why would you ever stay in somebody else's house, right? And like, that sounds so creepy and scary. And then now, you know, nobody really cares about that. But looking like with what COVID did, like, look at buying a car. I mean, you can buy a car online now, they deliver it directly to your door, and you have a period of days in which you can return it, and they'll come and, and take it take it back from you. That is the ultimate 100% digital experience for something that is like an analog purchase. I mean, what it, that those sort of things are so are so insightful to how the world will be in the future. Yeah. Because if we can do that with buying a car or buying a home, then like we can do that with really anything. Absolutely, 100%. And, and it actually, it's interesting because I'd argue that's not just a great digital experience. It's actually, it's a step further. It's a great marrying in a thoughtful and intentional way of a customer journey, leveraging digital and physical in the right ways, in a thoughtful way, because you've been forced to do it. The way you would go about buying a car eight months ago or six months ago has been that way because it's always been that way. And digital come along and there were some tweaks and some twinges and some changes, but no one said, actually, stop. What's the right way to do this if the digital world exists and the physical world exists? And what's this customer journey? It's kind of forced everybody to think about that properly in a thoughtful and intentional way. And I think that's generating, to your point, innovation, which is something I've said to my team is that... Um, you know, innovation and, and specifically creativity, which is a big part of what Saros believes is an important, you know, important in the world. Creativity, um, for me, and I've said this to the team, adversity and constraint is the birthplace of creativity or innovation, if you will. And I think we, the world is facing a lot of adversity and constraint. And with that comes sorrow, sadness, death, even. It's been awful in many regards. And yet, through it, are moments of inspiration and enlightenment and progress for the country and the world and the species. So, you know, I think it's a very interesting time to be alive, even though there, there is a lot of suffering going on. And I think um, some great companies and some, some truly um, world shifting or societal shifting things are going to be happening, you know, over the next year or two. Well, you, you, you touched on something that I think is really, really important about uh, creating content and about having constraints, right? Like the thing that made Vine so brilliant and is making TikTok, you know, so impactful is like, you know, seven second videos, right? How do you tell a story in seven seconds? Um, and people talk about, you know, like, oh, the, the, you know, average time span of looking at things and all that sort of stuff is decreasing. But at the end of the day, if you can tell a wonderful story in seven seconds, you've done a great job as a, as a creator. And I think that the problem that marketers face right now is the problem of volume, of scale, of infinite work to be done of, you could write a blog post every day, you could write a blog post every hour, you could, you know, create a, 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 a new, you could create an entire um, mini series TV show with, you know, a percentage of your marketing budget now. Like these are things you just never had the opportunity to do, you know, back in the day, things were just too expensive. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't create a documentary, you know, with a percentage of your budget. Now you can do all of those things. And there's so many aspects of content creation that are so difficult to get right. It's kind of this like, you know, this overabundance of options and ideas. Like how do you think that marketers can 
hone these things to give themselves some blinders to create stuff that is meaningful and not kind of get overwhelmed with the disease of more? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think the question sort of summed up is, you know, how do you create false constraints in order to make sure that you don't get lost, as you say, in the, in the sea of sameness or just, just creating content for the sake of content? And I think the simple answer to that, um, it's a bit of a Simon Sinek quote to some degree, but it's, it's about the why. Why are we producing this piece of content? And the answer is not because we need to put it behind a paywall because we want an email address. You need to ask why at least another half dozen times before you get an answer. Why are we producing this piece of content? What message are we trying to put forth? What value are we trying to provide for our customers? What education, what inspiration, what connection are we trying to make? What product are we trying to put in front of a potential customer and what value does that bring? If you can get those answers right, then what one can do is start to ask themselves, what is the right medium, execution, form, shape, distribution channel for said goal? But I think a lot of people get tied up in the task and not the goal. I have to write 27 blog posts. Why? Because my boss said. Why? Because we need more traffic. Why? because we want to engage with customers. Why? So we can sell them this really valuable thing that helps save lives in another country. Oh, we should leap to that and skip all the shit before, you know? Um, so I think why? Ask why. Why are we doing this? What is it for? And then that helps you constrain the, the, the thought process and, and then actually get, again, intentional and thoughtful about what you do and how you execute. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the way that Einstein would say that you you solve a problem and it's like, you know, in an hour, it's like the first 59 minutes you spend uh, like diagramming the problem and then the last minute you solve it sort of a thing. I think that so much we do the exact opposite is like we just make and make and make and make and make after doing like one minute of research, mm -hmm. it's like, all right, well, there's nothing on page one of Google. So I guess we're, I guess we should make, you know, X, Y, or Z rather than really figuring out what we should be making and how this is going to have an impact for the person at the end uh, of the transaction. That is key. And what, what impact will they have on the other person? And more importantly, what is the, what is the authentic move to make? If you, you know, I mean, unfortunately, it all bleeds back to the organization you work for, the purpose behind the organization. Does the organization have a purpose if you're a marketer? Do you actually know why your company exists? Not, not what it does. Why does it do what it, do? it does? Sorry. Why does, it, why does that company do what it does? Why does it exist? If you understand the purpose, then as a marketer, you can drive authentically towards that. And as a result, have more fun every day in the work that you do you know, make authentic connections with human beings, provide value and drive them towards the product or service that you provide. And that is so much more fulfilling as a human being. It allows you to be more uh, fulfilled, more authentic, more um, connected. Your business will feel better. Your customers will feel more connected. You will make more money and you will die a little bit happier. That's a really good way to live as, a, as an executive or a CEO or even a person that works in an organization. I've lived that way my whole life it pays you back in dividends. The, the wrong way to go about it is much more about the, I want to make money, so let's do this thing in an egregious, weird, unauthentic way to get the money. It's less effective, it's less fun, and it's um, typically not very effective in terms of the way, uh, the way you execute and the, the results that you get. So tell me a little bit about some of the some of your customers, some of the folks on the platform. What are some amazing things that, uh, that they're doing? I mean, the answer to that would be different now than it was six months ago or five months ago because 
again, it, it was like, um, you know, we had probably 80% of our customers were forward thinking and, and, and uh, innovators and were excited about what they could do with the platform. But even those folks weren't pushing it. And then there was a chunk that were, you know, that got bought in but hadn't bought in fully. What, what we're seeing now is people doing exactly what you said. They're saying, actually, now the physical world's been stopped. What is the right way to approach something? So I'll give you an example. Um, it, a very, very large real estate firm, we have about four of them that work with us, and they, they, they use our technology across multiple offices and multiple regions, dozens if not hundreds of users in the platform for each of those large real estate firms, sorry. So real estate firms obviously have commercial properties, and there's challenges around whether offices are coming back, and if so, what shape and form. But just assume for a second that they're still trading in commercial offices in one way or another, or commercial real estate in one way or another, one of those individuals, a very senior um, sales leader over there, was on a call with me recently talking about how they have reinvented the way in which they do building tours. So they're now using Seros to create a digital experience that maps out the whole city, say New York City. They then put together a plan of the buildings they want folks to tour in the Seros experience, which is a you know a rich visual interactive experience. That is combined with 360 degree walk around photography, think Google Maps, but inside the building using a te technology called Metaport. And it allows them to take a potential tenant around Manhattan to view nine buildings in 360 degree views using Ceres as the medium to present that, the stage, if you will, the interactive stage, to present that on a Zoom call with three or four senior executives from the organization that wants to be a tenant they can zip around Manhattan, view 9, 10, 12 buildings using Saros and other technologies combined into a digital experience, which then leads to a shortlisting of two, which they then go and visit with masks on. Uh, and this particular individual said to me recently, there's no way on earth that we're going to return to the old way of doing it, which was jumping in taxis, beads of sweat, four buildings, three buildings if you're lucky in a whole day. It takes four hours. The whole thing's a nightmare. It's, there's no way we're going back to that. And that's the kind of thing that's just great to see. It's that constraint of the physical well-being lockdown right now, forcing people to be intentional and thoughtful and importantly creative about the way in which they yet leverage the physical space, the digital world, and, and bring the, those together to create a, a really sort of smooth experience. And that's just a one example of, hundreds of examples where I've seen customers reinvent what they do in the digital world um, recently with COVID and leveraging Seros and other technologies. So when folks are using the platform and they're trying to figure out these experiences, how much of it is for like product versus like marketing activities? Well, I think the key distinction is that Seros is definitely in the business of helping sales and marketing organizations produce better digital content rather than, uh, you know, we, we're not in the Envision or Figma space in terms of product design. And, and the line between a, an Envision or us yeah. would be product design versus content creation or content design. Um, and the, 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 you know, the lines between those two merge a bit, but there's some fundamental differences there. The, some of the some of the differences is product tends to be a little more um, utilitarian. It's a little more functional and rigid. And digital experiences content tend to be more artistic, editorial, fluid, visceral, and you know, and and, and um, human for want of a better description. So there's some distinction there in terms of the way in which it gets executed. And ultimately, of course, typically the product stuff ends up as um, you know on a, on, a, on a phone, tablet, or desktop 
as, a, as, a, as an application, sometimes as a web application, but oftentimes as, a, as an application, whereas these are content experiences that are sometimes by nature not following design patterns because they're exploratory and curious in nature, whereas a product, you want it to be easy to navigate almost always, whereas a piece of content, you might actually want people to have to explore it as part of the journey, which you wouldn't do with a product that has a task in mind, like buy groceries. But a piece of content that's taken you for a journey around, I don't know, um, food shortages in Africa, there may be an exploratory journey that you want them to take, take them down, which means a more rigid UX experience might not be right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, as we kind of mentioned, the line between those two things are blurring. You know, marketing, depending on the organization, is owning, you know, a larger percentage of the funnel. Or in some cases, you know, for a lot of... Um, a lot of companies they're owning you know a number and and not just responsible for pipeline or or whatever they're actually responsible for a revenue target um, that they source via you know whatever that is um, so for b2b journeys specifically you know content is extremely important now in helping that person you know if they're making a decision that single user journey you know self-service model right you have to have really good content on the site because that's the only experience that that person has. They just have a digital experience. They're not going to talk to a sales rep. In most cases, they don't want to talk to a sales rep. So like, what are you seeing from, from folks to be able to create those type of, uh, those type of journeys? Well, I think, um, you know, very much it's, you know, the way that we, and we have a lot of B2B customers. We are a B2B software business in our own right. And we leverage Sarah's extraordinarily heavily. And I think um, it's about pulling back and remembering that that you know that journey exists from awareness all the way to advocacy, identifying the digital touch points that exist along that journey, and then what we what we do with our customers, um, we offer uh, workshops and/or consultative um, services where we'll help them effectively pull the business apart like a concertina and say, okay, let's understand the touch points and let's pick some of the high value ones where very important conversion moments happen or brand affiliation or brand awareness or brand um, brand and customer relationship building happens. What happens if you make that digital touch point or that digital experience better? And, and it really is as simple as that because if you imagine, you know, a conversion funnel in the physical world where you're trying to get someone on a, on a, um, on a vacation Island and they're going to, they're going to pay you $10,000 to be on that vacation Island and that individual meets you, you pitch them the idea in a, in a hotel lobby, and then they have to sit in a room and understand what this vacation is going to be like. That's another touch point in the physical world. And they meet some other people that have maybe been on this vacation. That's another touch point. And maybe they journey to the, to, to the dock where you're going to get on the boat, and then they get on the boat. My point being is each of those moments that I discussed, there are physical moments. In the digital world, they are the same. They exist. What we try to do with B2B folks is say, look, let's look at those. Which ones are really critical? Where is the real meat happening? Where is the moment that the experience really matters? And that's the moment where you convert from, you know, 100 people and you get somewhere like 35% get on the boat and pay you the $10,000. What happens if the moment where they stand at the dock and look at the boat they're about to get on, if the experience is horrible, they're in the rain, it looks awful, the boat looks shabby, Everybody looks disheveled and tired. The staff don't care. You're going to get less people to get on the boat, right? Therefore, you're going to get less people to go to the island, have a good time, and spend $10,000. It's exactly the same for a B2B journey. Find that critical moment, and there will be many of them, 
and look at the experience. Feel what it feels like to be there and look at it like you would that moment standing on, on, on the dock looking at the boat, considering going to the island and paying $10,000. Look at it through that lens. Is it an awful experience? Does it render badly? Does the graphics tell the story? Is it creating the emotion that you want it to? Does it, you know, does it feel cold? Is there enough social proof? Let's think about ways to make that digital experience feel, feel, very importantly, feel the way you want it to, to get them to the next point in the journey so you can get them to the, to the island and therefore for them to have a great time and ultimately give you some money. That's the way we try and think of it. It's a, it's a relatively straightforward process, but the wake up moment is to get people to realize that these digital touch points, especially in a COVID world, the only presence you have is your digital presence. If you have awful digital touch points, digital experiences at key moments, you are throwing away customers and pissing off ones that do convert or at least disappointing them. You shouldn't do that. You've talked in the past about uh, the term content marketing. Do you think that this is this is the right term? Do you think it's uh, it, it's the thing that best describes what we're talking about? I don't like the term. I don't like the term largely because it's become synonymous. When you think content marketing, you think lots and lots of words, SEO, and blog posts, and that is basically the antichrist to what I just described. It's like a pre-described way to execute through some algorithmic mathematical equation that drives people to a page that's got lots of words on it because of the need to satisfy an SEO engine. That's typically what people think about in terms of content marketing. And as a result of that, I find that practice to be a little gross and old and not modern and not focused on human connections and digital experiences and value creation. And it tends to lean a little in that direction. And that, that makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't necessarily have an alternative and, and to some folks I would have sure say that we are in the digital or the content marketing space to some degree, but it's, it's not nomenclature I use very often anymore because I do think it's kind of got a bad rep. I think that's, I think that's really well put. I mean, I think that that is kind of the default way of looking at things. I think with, with Google being such a predominantly important, you know, way, especially if you're looking at B2B way that everything is looked at, that you're just not going to, to, to differentiate that much from that. But then you look at platforms like Instagram and it's like, there's no words, right? So, or not none, but more or less, there's very, very few words, right? So it's like how people consume things, um, you know, what are the type of things that they're looking at? is not indicative of probably how much time we spend. I'm always curious about folks making larger productions, doing things that are more differentiated, that are bigger, and spending their dollars more on creating an actual story or an asset that lives on its own, because I think that that can create like exponential value. And you just see so little of that. And that's Uh, where the authentic value is, right? You've actually made a thing with love and care and to give back and to provide value to the people that you might like to do business with, human beings are not stupid. They understand and feel authenticity, and they can feel a lack of authenticity. So if you create blog posts based on some silly algorithm because of Google, sure, you'll drive the traffic, but they'll know that it's not really substantive when you get there, and that just starts to create a disingenuous relationship at the beginning. It's something... And, you know, to use another analogy, as I've said before, it's, it, it, to me, the way in which many marketers think about content marketing and then SEO and how it all relates, it's the equivalent to me to thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and sell tickets 
you know, to, to, to drive hundreds of thousands of people to a concert and they'll come to a big stadium. It's a very effective stadium. It's all ready to go. Uh, everyone will turn up. They'll pay good money for their tickets and you'll have all the systems worked out to drive them in through the, you know, through the gates and, t- and take their money and sit them in their seats very effectively. It's all great. And then this, the stage opens up. The lighting's terrible. The band is out of tune. The music is awful and you can barely hear it. Why do you do that? You wouldn't do that, but yet people do it in the digital world. Drive as much traffic as you can to an unauthentic, awful experience that doesn't represent your brand well and actually feels disingenuous and unauthentic. It seems to me to be an asinine process that makes no sense. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't drive ticket sales or, metaphorically speaking, drive ticket sales. Therefore, drive people to your site. Of course, SEO plays a part, but don't forget the act. Don't put a band on stage that's out of tune, that doesn't know how to sing, that you can't hear with terrible lighting. That seems stupid. You've got everybody here. Entertain them and provide value. So some of the folks on your platform are like leading creators in their own right who have really cool things to share. Uh, and a lot of brands that... Um, you know, places like stars and, and the places like that are actually creating amazing content. I'm curious, like we see this all the time with promoting our shows or, uh, or podcasts or things like that. One of the best ads is always that always performs our trailers because teaching someone about something new that's coming up that they might be interested in. And I'm always fascinated by that idea because I think it's something really underutilized uh, that if you're pushing to content, your ads now become cheaper. But so many people struggle to create something worth worth talking about or create something that impressive. How do we take a page out of the premier content creators playbook to try to create stuff uh, that people actually want to look at? It comes back to the same message. I mean, you think you know, you mentioned the trailer there, and um, it's a little, it's it's very similar to um, working with creators with great raw assets imagery. You know, if you give a designer a set of imagery on a topic, and it's terrific imagery crafted by a photographer who's passionate about the topic and has poured their heart and soul into that imagery. And then you combine that with some copy that's been written by an individual that's also passionate about the topic, and you ask the designer to put together. Even if it was just an, an, you know, an old-fashioned digital magazine page, sorry, a physical magazine page, because the raw assets are so great and the pure artistry and passion of what's been put into it is coming through, the designer that's then crafting that you know, magazine page or digital experience in our world, um, the job just gets easier. So I think, to your point, if you think about things like trailers that draw towards um, great movies, the best trailers typically come from great movies that typically come from passionate directors and actors that are bought into a great movie for the sake of making the movie because the artistry matters. And if you can get close to that in B2B marketing, which many people in B2B marketing think is impossible because their topic is dry, I, I actually call BS on that one But because I, I do genuinely believe if you're passionate about the thing that you sell, there's an interesting and curious story that you can authentically tell there. If you do that, Creating the ad that drives to it or, or bringing people towards it becomes relatively easy because it's a truly authentic, driven, passionate expression of the thing that you are selling. And if the thing that you are selling actually adds value and is a tremendously good product that you do genuinely as a CEO, CMO, and team believe in, it should be relatively easy to create content around it or adjacent to it or related to it that provides value that drives people towards it and therefore ads become like trailers because 
you have something real to talk about. You're not trying to falsely send people in a direction um, to do something that, you know, that isn't authentic. One of the things that's cool about the platform is the ability to leverage like no code options. And I think that that's something that is is a true weapon for marketers uh, that I don't think we could have ever seen coming, right? That you have these portfolios of amazing assets at your disposal all the time that you can create things without having to code in a world that is, you know, everything is, is code now. I'm curious, like, what do you think is the evolution of this? Like, now that marketers have like a bunch of these tools at their disposal, it seems like we we can free up more time for the actual like creation of things and the design of things, not just like strictly by a designer, but actually having, you know, a say in it yourself, which I, like that back and forth is always, you know, super challenging. Yeah, we, we like to say at Saras that we are, you know, our ideal customer uh, profile of the folks that we're trying to, to build relationships with and help and ultimately do business with is design curious marketers and marketing curious designers. <laughs> We're finding more and more that the, the, the lines are blurring. And I think when those two minds come together and you remove the restriction um, of code and the rigidity around that, it allows to your point, the energy to be drawn towards questions like, why are we doing this? What's the best way to do this? How should we tell a story? What emotions are we trying to, to create here? What are we trying to drive towards? It opens up a lot of time bandwidth to put into that exercise. And we as a whole think that that is a really good thing. And if you then put that in the cloud, you make it collaborative in real time, like Google Docs, software plug for Saros right now. That means that it becomes iterative. I do it all the time on projects at Saros where we're looking to launch something. It could be a small piece of information, small infographic, a large piece of digital content, a, a landing page, a website, a microsite, or just a rich experience. That iteration, speed of iteration and collaboration without the, you must code it this way, here are all the rules that you must follow, allows that expressive artistry to come out. And that is when the magic happens. So switching gears a little bit, you know, as you all have uh, been building the company, obviously taking on investment, and all of that. It seems like the market understands that this is a massive opportunity that, you know, marketing departments, uh, designers, that this community needs to be able to better understand this. Could you just talk about the market for a second for, uh, for this product? And like, why is this so important? Why is like, be, why is content so important right now? I mean, I don't want to sound like a stuck record here, but it's always been important, but in a post-COVID-19 world, or a COVID-19 world and a post-COVID-19 world, COVID-19, because it means we literally don't have any physical interactions for the most part, but post-COVID-19 with the reinvention of the way we think about things, it becomes a really important tool um, in the arsenal. You know, you need to be able to tell stories. Since the dawn of time, we've been drawing on caves and, you know, and scraping into into slates um, and you know then it, then it was the printing press and you know so on and so forth the internet is just the next evolution of that and what happened was because the internet was born on an engineering born on top of engineering engineers and technology and constraints and rules because that's how it functions it is after all a digital platform someone tore away the expressiveness and it was it was a sad thing and i think now we're companies like seros are saying less, we will solve the engineering problems for you, but we just want you to be able to be as creative and expressive as you possibly can. And as a result of that, we become a tool that can be leveraged in so many different ways. 
especially at a time when digital communication is all you've got. Um, so I think, you know, the removal of the code brings back the ability to be as creative as you want, as expressive as you want freely in order to achieve a goal rather than, oh, it must go in this template and this structure and it needs to go past this IT person before, at which point, why did, oh, well, I'm so confused, I've lost my way and the, uh, and the sort of passion and artistry and creative flow gets crushed. You have a very clear company culture. It's uh, it's really interesting um, to see some of uh, some of the ways that that you present, you know, very clear values. Uh, and one of them is we wear our chicken suits. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, um, that one always gets asked, um, or a lot, a lot of time because it is the one that needs the explanation. But um, I will say that cultural values, for what it's worth, anyone who's listening to this is about to set some cultural values or has some. If they are not real and true and you don't believe them in your soul, and actually if it's the CEO listening um, or one of the founders, if they're not things that you hold dear as a human, then I'd question whether they're real. Um, but genuinely, these are not that. These are things that I've lived by for decades. I didn't have them as distilled as they are now, but um, they certainly are. But to, to your point specifically, um, the wear our chicken suits is really, it's about in simple terms, comes from a, um, it comes from a particular sales uh, person that worked for me six years ago. Um, and he was with the company for three or four years and ultimately was found himself in a deal um, that he was trying to close. And the individual that he was doing the deal with said that, she would pay money to see him in his Halloween outfit. It was around Halloween. And uh, he said he'd be going as a chicken. So they came into a meeting, um, this, this woman and uh, two or three other people, to do a deal for a, for a time, a large deal for us, $50,000. And uh, he said to me, should I wear the chicken suit? And I said, hell yeah. Um, and on the Monday, he sat in the ballroom. It was a tiny little ballroom in a you know, back office that we had at the time. Uh, went off to get them coffee and came back dressed in the chicken suit. Took the hat off and said, well, you said you were, would pay money to see me in it and you're here to do a deal. So I figured I'd wear the chicken suit. So that's where the, uh, that's where it comes from. But it's fundamentally about taking your job really seriously, but yourself, not so much. I love it. That's great. I couldn't agree more. I hate people to take themselves too seriously. Life's too short. At the end of the day, in case you haven't noticed, we're like a bunch of ants floating around on, in space on a giant rock. Kind of pointless to take yourself <laughs> seriously, right? Yeah, indeed. Um, do you have any favorite uh, campaigns over the years that you worked on? Oh, that's really tough. Um, it's the Apple Think Different. I just think it was so clever. It still is to this day. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a fanboy to some degree. and a Steve Jobs fan. It's one, one of my biggest regrets that maybe I'll be successful enough one day that I could have maybe got an audience with him. And now he's not here, which is a bit sad. But um, regardless, uh, yeah, I just love that. And I think everybody should. And it ties back to why Seros exists. You know, we, we exist because we think creativity matters. And creativity is literally about thinking different. So I guess I'd have to fortunately pick the Think Different campaign. Oh, we, we've talked about it at length on the show. So you're in good company. All right, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. Salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Simon, are you ready? Yes, sir. Number one, what habit or hobby have you picked up during shelter in place? 
um, taking time to be present with my family in a intentional, thoughtful way. Do you have a podcast, book, TV show that you've been binging recently? Actually, really embarrassing. Someone introduced me to uh, the Karate Kid follow-on on YouTube. Uh, it's called, um, it's the name of the dojo, I've forgotten it now. But it's uh, Cobra Kai is the name of it. It's an incredibly ridiculous 80s throwback. It's got all of the old characters in it. It's ridiculous, but it's great for binge watching. I heard it's good. So It's funny. Do you have a hidden talent or passion? I am absolutely obsessed with construction and building. And it's a subset of creative, but I love creating things and building things. I've built an outdoor kitchen in the last two weeks. In the mornings and evenings, I've been doing outside of my work. I get up at six and build things in the kitchen. Hey, sorry, in the garden. It's an obsession. I love it. Best advice for a first-time CEO? Don't do it if you're not ready for the heartache and pain. It's going to be 70 times worse than you think it is. <laughs> That's great. What is one question you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? What am I grateful for? What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for my, my life, my health, and more importantly, my family. I love and adore my wife and my two children. That's awesome. Simon, that's all we got for today. I really appreciate you coming on. Any uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, no. Plugging is cheap and not authentic. So, no. <laughs> well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll plug Saros. Uh, check them out. We'll link them up in the show notes. A really cool company and, uh, and product. And obviously, you know, we think content is really important and uh, needs to get better every day, uh, just like all of us. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining. Appreciate it. Not at all. Real pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. 
the speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.